Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. Today's guest is Nigel Hughes. Nigel is the SVP of Global Research and Development at Kellogg's. He's responsible for renovating and rationalizing the $12-plus billion company's portfolio of global brands. He's here today to give us some insight into the research and development strategy and how Kellogg's is adapting to meet the needs of today's consumer. Hi, Nigel. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule to um, meet with us today. Um, for the listeners that aren't familiar with your background, could you give an overview of your career journey? Yeah, hi. It's a pleasure to be here today, and thank you for the invitation. Uh, my career started in, in a strange way because I was a PhD scientist, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, and so I, I looked at doing two or three things. First of all, I thought about being a patent attorney. That seemed to be an interesting job, but then I realized that I needed to get all additional qualifications, so I'd probably uh, not be earning any money for another four or five years. Then I, uh, I actually applied to the BBC to work in production, TV production. I got accepted by that, and maybe I'm living out my fantasy here today somehow. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then I got a contact from Unilever, and uh, that seemed really interesting to me because it was an opportunity to take my scientific background, but pretty quickly and directly uh, bring it to some, some real purpose, and a purpose that wasn't like a lot of other companies in science and technology where you're doing something very, very much in the background, but where you get the application of the science and technology very quickly, and you drive the democratization of, uh, of opportunity. So that's what really fascinated me. So I started my career in Unilever. I worked with them for a while in the whole personal care space, really fun time. Then I flipped over into the food space and worked for Danan, had a great time working with Danan on brands like Activia and Actimel. Uh, then I moved into a commercial role running... Uh, a medical foods business, which is an interesting business because it's not quite a, a consumer goods business, but equally it's not quite a pharmaceutical business. It's a, a hybrid. I uh, spent a bit of time with S.C. Johnson, and now I'm running global innovation and research and development for Kellogg. Fantastic. And was there anything specific that drew you into the food industry? It goes back to that point about democratization. Uh, you can make a difference every day doing what I do to billions of people's lives. And many businesses impact people's lives, but very few impact as many and impact it in such a direct way because you open access to uh, health, well-being, and enjoyment. Kellogg's is such an iconic brand, uh, and you're an SVP of global research and development. Can you describe your role? My job differs every day, and that's a part of why I love it. And it's great, to a great extent, I'm making up the future, so it's got to differ every day. Uh, some days, my role is very much about reviewing projects, ensuring that we're tracking, sure that we're bringing the right things to market in the right way. Other days, I can be thinking about the future 20 or 30 years hence and what's going to shape the food landscape and how can a company like Kellogg be a part of, of reshaping the food landscape. Sometimes I'm talking to regulators other times, I'm talking to uh, leading scientists. So it's the beauty of what I do. 
if you want to capture what I do in one phrase, the easy way I say it is that I'm the Willy Wonka of Kellogg. <laughs> I think that's a pretty cool job description. I am the Gene Wilder version, though. I'm not the Johnny Depp version, to be clear. <laughs> Fair enough. So I imagine that data is a, a huge part of your, your daily life. So what's some of the, the, the I guess, the, the most fascinating insights um, that you've gathered around today's consumer? Well, to answer that question, I think you need to think about it at, at several different levels. Uh, we're in a time of massive change, uh, greater change than I've experienced uh, in the whole of the rest 30 years of my career. Uh, we're seeing some fundamental paradigm shifts. Connectivity is changing everything in what we do. The consumer interacts with us in a totally different way than, than uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Scientific advances are changing everything. The, the advances like the genetic advances and, and things around the microbiome, all those, all those bacteria in your gut that, that affect uh, your well-being, massive, massive changes and huge changes in, in consumer behavior regarding the way they look at food and the way they interact with food. Today, culinary is sexy. Uh, in the past, we were much more utilitarian about our food. Now we expect experience in everything, and, and culinary is sexy. So at that level, we're seeing huge changes. Then if you go right down and get into the, 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 the real nitty-gritty of the way in which we, we're behaving, uh, we're seeing huge change in our basic behavior. Uh, the notion of snacking is, is, is a crazy one because in, in the past, snacking was a thing. Now, snacking is everything. Uh, we're all snacking all the time, and so we're not snacking anymore, if you like. Uh, but we're accessing our food in multiple occasions throughout the day. And one of the beautiful and fascinating things about my job is I get to play in those spaces, and I get to understand those things, and I get to then try to, to translate those things into interesting foods that are going to engage people and, uh, as I said before, make a positive contribution. And I'm assuming, maybe falsely, but I'm assuming that a lot of the, the, the habits and the cultural norms change between the different various regions that you operate in in terms of people's um, uh, tastes and, 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 and buying habits as it relates to your product. Is there anything that you can share from an insight perspective that you've gathered that may be interesting um, tidbit around a, a specific region or how they interact with your brand? Yeah. Well, first of all, just to, to, to answer your question, I'd give a, a yes-no answer to that one as well. And, and, and isn't that the, the state of the world today? We've all got to hold yes and no in our heads at the same time. It's a yes and no because food has an enormous universality. We all gather around food. All social occasions, if you look at it, are based around food and coming together. Uh, so there is a universality, but you're absolutely right. There are some fascinating differences. And I would say the most interesting difference is today the fact that we are seeing ethno-culinary trends moving around the world. So it's not even that there is one trend or one insight or one habit in one place that is intriguing. It's the fact that that trend or insight or habit can move around the world incredibly quickly today and completely seamlessly. Uh, one of my favorite uh, restaurants in Chicago, pretty low-key place, it's a ramen place, and the reason I love it is because it's exactly like eating ramen in Tokyo on some back street. That's what's beautiful about it. I can access that today. Before, 
you had movement of uh, different culinary traditions, but they were pastiches. Today, people are really interested in in the authentic uh, version. So I'm interested uh, how you're adapting the strategy to, to meet consumers where they are, because there's so many different uh, personas, if you will, that you have to accommodate for. For us, uh, we use, and I, I don't want to use a, a, a terribly cliched and, and, and sort of highbrow marketing phrase, but we use an occasion-based model. What does that mean? It's something very simple. We've got to meet our the people who eat our food. I'm not even going to call them consumers. The people who eat our food, we've got to meet them where they are doing what they're doing, fitting into their daily lives. And that's one of the big changes that I've seen in the whole consumer space. Uh, years ago, we knew what was right, and we helped consumers to move towards that. Today, we've, we've reached what I think is a way better place of understanding that, that we all live our lives in particular ways. And the challenge for successful companies is to find how to how to interact and interface in those particular different occasions. And that offers up enormous, enormous opportunity. Uh, an example would be uh, commute, people's commute. People don't sit down and have traditional family breakfasts anymore. They eat on the go. But everybody's commute is different. How do you design a food that is perfect for the occasion of, of driving in in the mornings? Well, pretty, pretty obviously, it's got to be something that you, you, you can eat with one hand because you can't eat it with two hands and a knife and fork, right? So these are really, really interesting insights and very basic insights that open up opportunity for, for myself and my team. Part of your role is around research and development. In fact, that's a, a big portion of, of the strategic side of your role. For the listeners that are interested in, in figuring out how to leverage um, R&D more with their organization, what advice would you give them? For me, it's all about seamless interdependence. Uh, an R&D team is only ever as good as the relationship that it has with the marketing commercial teams and the relationships that it has with the supply chain teams and, and the procurement teams and various other teams. And so it's, it's really a matter of being able to understand their world's understand how to be able to partner seamlessly with them, but at the same time bring along professional expertise. So I don't want uh, good marketeers doing bad R&D. I don't want good R&D people doing bad marketing. But what I want is a seamless interconnection. And that really is at the heart of, uh, of innovation. If you look at all of the, the great innovative companies, they've managed to pull that off. Now, many of them did it because they had single leaders who sort of drove that behavior, but uh, it's creating that behavior without that, that single leader and creating a culture around that. You mentioned earlier that change is happening so rapidly. Technology is such a big part of, of where we are as a society today. How has technology impacted CPG? I don't think technology has impacted CPG as much as it could and as much as it will, actually. I think CPG is is one of the industries that's further behind, and that makes my job even more fun because it gives up more opportunity. But uh, there are clearly some, some very, very big impacts. I'd say the first one actually, ironically, relating to my job is the way we do things rather than the what we do because uh, we are doing things now much more similarly to how a tech company would operate. So rather than being an invention house that creates everything, 
we are much more today a solution-driven design house. So we know what we want to solve for. We go and find those solutions uh, inside the organization, outside the organization, wherever they lie. And then we have brilliant food designers and packaging designers who bring all of that together. And that's a massive impact. That's a massive, massive impact. Perhaps more directly in terms of, of how uh, technology has, has impacted the content of what, what I do and, and what we do, I think one of the most interesting spaces is the way that technology is beginning to influence our supply chain and ultimately our manufacturing. As a food company, we take thousands, millions of tons of, of raw ingredients and we have to understand where they come from, we have to understand the quality of them and how we're going to use them. And technology, blockchain and the like, is really beginning to impact that. And that plays beautifully towards one of the key things that consumers are looking for today, which is transparency and understanding where their food is from and how it's been processed. And I think that's going to be the, one of the most exciting areas of the future because we're going to move away from supply chains which are fantastic at making one thing or a few things at very, very high speeds to an incredible level of individualization and personalization. And that's going to be so much fun. Playing in that space is going to be so much fun. Absolutely. I read an article recently, um, I believe it was it was Walmart, that is aiming for a specific um, time frame to, to make sure all their suppliers are moving towards the blockchain, which is an interesting thought process. You mentioned blockchain. Um, outside of the transparency piece, what are you hoping or what are you seeing it kind of solve for or helping out with in terms of the, the consumer's uh, needs? Well, it, it allows us to to look at our supply chain in a completely different way. So I'll give you a, a simple example. Today, we are most comfortable dealing with farmers who make the same grain and have made the same grain in pretty much the same way over many, many years and can give us absolutely guaranteed consistency. That's been the way we've built our business. As we look into the future, with, with the things like blockchain and other technologies, we're going to be able to open up that supply chain to a much wider range of suppliers and, and ingredients. So suddenly, a company like Kellogg working with urban farms becomes a possibility because we'll be able to use technology to control the, the, the sourcing and the quality. And that's really, really critical because that's going to support what is absolutely needed now, which is the opening up of, of the whole agricultural space. Now, we want to drive towards more diverse plant-based diets. That's a good thing. Everybody's saying that's where we, we should be going as, as human beings. Uh, but that's not as straightforward to do if you don't have these technologies that can assure your supply chains, assure, assure your ingredient quality and the like. So outside of blockchain, uh, there's quite a few new emerging technologies or emerging technologies. Which ones are you most excited about? There are two that really, really excite me because I think they're going to change the way we behave completely. The first one is, is really part of the ultimate bringing of tech into, uh, into food, and I alluded to it before. It's the work around the microbiome. Very soon, uh, genetic information will be free. We can look back 20 years now to when the first human genome was sequenced, and it cost however many, however many hundreds of millions and billions of dollars 
Today, genetic information is relatively cheap. In the future, genetic information will be free. And that opens up a completely different world because what that means is that each of us will understand an inordinate amount about our own genetic information. And not the genetic information that makes up our skin and flesh and bones, but the much more diverse genetic information that's in our guts and in our gut microbiome. And people are understanding that that has such a critical role to do with overall well-being. Uh, well-being related, yes, to digestion, but well-being related to uh, immunity, well-being related to uh, stress-related disorders, and the most exciting of all, which is the gut-brain axis, the way that your brain talks to your gut and your gut talks to your brain, and they both influence each other. And that's, that's an incredible, incredible world that's unfolding at a, at a really rapid, rapid pace. So that's one. The other one, it goes back to manufacturing. I am so excited to see the evolution of technologies which allow us to manufacture in a much more individualized and personalized fashion. And these two go together in the end. So what we're seeing is the very beginnings of the 3D printing of food. Why do you need a factory to make, make food? Why do companies like Kellogg not sell you certain ingredient component elements and you 3D print your own food? And this becomes a really, really fascinating space. I don't think we'll move there tomorrow morning, but you're going to see an incredible increase in that individualization and personalization through new manufacturing technologies. I love both of those examples. The one related to the microbiome um, is interesting because there's a scenario, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a scenario where you can get some of that real-time information much more quickly um, to make better I guess, eating decisions? Absolutely, absolutely. And right now, we, uh, we have a directional understanding of that. It's probably better that you should eat this rather than this. In the future, if people really want it, they'll be able to re relate that to direct performance. Remember, every day you deposit a sample, most people, uh, a perfect sample of your genetic information, and you deposit it in the toilet. It's called your poop. That's got all your genetic information in it. And, and it seems crazy and it seems weird and all this sort of stuff. But people are going to use that information to, to improve their personal performance. So that's the, world, that's the world of the future. And sorry I got the word poop in there, excuse me. <laughs> we came full circle because the, uh, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, being Willy Wonka, the everlasting gobstopper is more of the personalized uh, kind of food take from uh, – being able to uh, kind of deliver candy and deliver food the way people want it for long, longer time periods. So it's interesting. Um, if you had to make a bold prediction about the future of CPG, uh, where would you uh, take that direction? I, I'm going to be repetitive because I'm, I, I stro so strongly believe in it. My prediction is that CPG uh, stops being CPG as it is today and it becomes individualized solutions for people. And that is a fundamental change. The whole industry was built on the fact that you could make a small number of products, you could mass communicate them to people, and you would drive engagement and, and ultimately purchase. Uh, we're now seeing that turning on its head and people saying, what's the right solution for me? And the industry is beginning to respond to that, and I find that incredibly exciting. So what I see in 10 years' time is 
an industry that looks completely different to what it does today, just like the telephone industry completely transformed 20 years ago and cars are going to transform in the next 20 years as well. I see similar levels of change, no question about it. So last question and most important question of the day, what's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? I think I'd have to say it's my bike riding app because it forces me to get out. It stares at me from my phone and it forces me to get out on the bike. And that's important for two reasons. Of course, it's important because uh, riding is is good for my health and well-being. But it's also important because I get a lot of time to think when I'm riding. And in my job, it's really important that I set aside time not just to do but also to think and create and, and dream a little bit about the future. And I get that when I'm riding. But what's critically important is that my bike is tuned properly. Because if it's squeaking, I just can't think in the same way. (laughs) Very good. Well, we want to thank you for being here today. Um, If the listeners want to stay in touch with you or Kellogg, the brand, um, any recommendations on where they they should go online? Yes, they should go to our our website, which we've got a Kellogg.com website. So they should go to that. And and also, uh, if they want to, to reach out to me, Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'd be more than happy to connect to people. I'm a big believer that the more people you connect with, the more opportunities arise. Very good. Nigel Hughes, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time.